You're listening to a podcast of Family Church in West Monroe, Louisiana. Wherever or however you're listening, our hope is that this message would be challenging and inspiring for you to take your next step in your relationship with Jesus. Thanks for listening, and let's head to the message. Turn to somebody, if you would, and just say these words, Jesus Christ is Lord. Over the years, I've used so many synonyms to describe the essence of Christmas. Single words to illuminate the depth and the significance of what Christmas really means. Simple words to convey what the message of Christmas is really all about. This year, I want to give you one last synonym. When I look at all the words I've used through all the years, I think all of them were so fitting and so fully descriptive. But to me, there is one word that stands above all the other single words. It is the synonym of all synonyms for Christmas. And to get a really clear understanding of what that one word means and what this message is all about, I ask you to take your Bible and turn to the Gospel of John. And let's read from the first chapter quite a few verses of Scripture. But let's don't read quickly. Let's read purposefully with eyes to see and a heart to understand. If you're in John chapter 1, would you say, I am? In the beginning, the Word of God already existed. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. The Word, of course, is Jesus Christ. And before there was an earth, Jesus was. The Word was, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And in the overall scope of the Bible, I would say there's probably nothing more important for us to learn and understand than what that one verse of Scripture says right there what that one scripture is telling us right there. But let's read on because John the Apostle in this first chapter of the book that bears his name is just beginning to tell us the Christmas story. Look at verse 2. Christ existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him and nothing was created except through him. The Word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. Verse 6. God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light so that everyone might believe it because of his testimony. John himself was not the light, 
He was simply a witness to tell about the light. The one who is the true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. Would you say the word that fits right there? That one word is wow. Would you say that with me? Wow. Let's say it again with some force behind it. Wow. I don't know if you realize this or not, but we just read the Christmas story in its most basic form, in its purest essence. But then John puts the ribbon on the Christmas box with what he tells us in verse 14. Let's read that together. So the Word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. How about an amen right there? That verse tells us some amazing things. It tells us that the Word became human just like you and me. And this earth was his home, just like you and me. And he was full of unfailing love and faithfulness for you and me. But if you still have your Bible open, note that there is an asterisk after that word faithfulness. So look down at the bottom of your Bible. You probably have one with some annotations made at the bottom of the page. Look at that and you'll see that those words actually mean that Christ was full of grace and truth. Those are the literal words, the truly translatable words. Christ was full of grace and truth. We know that Christ was truth and that he was full of truth, but what does it mean for John to say that Jesus was full of grace? Well, let's add to what we just read with one more verse of Scripture. And we're not going to read a lot of Scriptures this morning, but what we read will be truly significant. Turn with me, if you would, to 2 Corinthians, the 8th chapter. And we'll read just one verse of Scripture in this 8th chapter of 2 Corinthians. If you don't have your Bible, you can look on the screen. Those of you who do, let's read together. You know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that by his 
poverty, he could make you rich. Let's read that again. You know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that by his poverty he could make you rich. In 17 days we celebrate the birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But for me, when you crawl inside my mind, I can't even begin thinking about Christmas without also thinking about Christ before there ever was a Christmas. So would you mind putting that verse of Scripture back on this screen if you can? You know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, though he was rich, when? Though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, so that by his poverty he could make you rich. I have read this verse of Scripture. I remember the first, I don't remember the day, but I remember the year. I was six years old, and my dad was preaching when I saw that Scripture in the King James Bible for the very first time. I taught a message, a series of messages from that one verse of scripture 40 years ago probably not 80 yards from where I'm standing right now but I see and I understand some things about that scripture right there that I didn't see when I was six or when I was 16 or even 26 and one of the things I see now that I didn't see back then is the synonym for Christmas that's just staring me in the face every time I open my Bible and read those words. So I want to get into and dissect this one scripture, and you've got an outline, and I'd like for you to use it because I believe if you'll write these things down and go back and study them later, they're going to make a lot of sense to your soul. Christ was rich. The scriptures say Christ was rich. And we know this because the Bible says that, but what does that mean? Well, I will tell you now that that goes far beyond what our human thinking ever begins to fully comprehend or even try to contemplate. Christ was rich. Jesus was rich in his personhood. And that sounds like a, a real theological term, but what that means is simply that there was never a time when Jesus was not. Think about that. There was never a time when Jesus was not. Now, there was a time when you were not, and there was a time when I was not, but never was there ever a time when he was not. So because Jesus is God, before he came into this world, he was self-sufficient, and he was all-knowing, and he was in need of nothing. He was in need of nothing, and he depended on nothing, and he depended on no one. You've got to be totally rich to make that claim. 
completely rich, infinitely rich, and Jesus was. There never was one before him who could make that claim, and there's never been one since. Time is of the essence for me, and there are a lot of things I thought I would be saying today that I'm not going to say, but I do want to say the things I need to say. And the next one is this. Write it down. Jesus was rich in his personhood, and he was rich in his position. Jesus came into this world as a baby. Think about it. He left his throne and was laid in a manger. But before that night, he sat on the throne of this universe and he shared equal glory with his Father. Now everybody, I know that again sounds very theological, maybe even philosophical, but that's what the Word tells us. So try to even ponder that. He was equal to the Father and shared the glory of His Father. That isn't some fairy tale we've been told and, and we're just expected to believe. This is truth. It's reality. It is factuality. Jesus was rich in His position and He was rich in His power and rich in his possessions. Let me talk about power. You and I grow weaker and weaker. Ten years from now, now you will, a lot of you, you'll debate this, you'll deny this, but ten years from now, you're going to be weaker than you are now. We grow weaker and weaker and we get older and older, and that happens in spite of our best efforts. I know you've watched some of those advertisements they put on television. What I've seen, pretty, some, some pretty amazing things, pretty amazing stuff. We're told that there are all these miracle cures for aging. And there are guaranteed programs to help you lose weight without changing any of your present habits in either your eating or your lifestyle. And we can grow hair on scalps that have been bald for 30 years. Presto, changeo, zapparillo, I can turn back the clock to when I was 40 and be in the best shape of my life. I can defy time. And there's some here who say, oh, don't get negative on me. I'm talking about reality. That's not negativity. That's reality. And here's something else that's amazing about all these commercials. All of them have people smiling in them. You can do all this stuff and smile and be glad all the time suppositories. You can just smile all the time. <laughs> Every one of them, you know, they're talking about what's not good and the people are frowning and they're aching and they're breaking and then they talk about their product and the smile of all smiles crisscrosses those faces. The truth 
about us is that we eventually grow weaker and we get older and older. We lose our power and then we die. Even Dick Clark died. For those of you who are my age, you know who Dick Clark is. Even Dick Clark died, and someday Pat Sajak and Vanna White are going to follow suit. And somebody else will be turning that wheel. But as God, Jesus did not get old. He did not grow weak. And there was no lessening of his abilities or his powers. As God, he never would have experienced the throes of death because Christ was rich in power and in possessions. When we talk of richness, our minds immediately run to money and to wealth. But Jesus' richness so completely superseded all that. I want you to think about this. You and I, and here's another one, people will debate me all day long, but it's what the Bible says. We don't really own anything. Not really. The Bible says we're just stewards. But Jesus owned it all. We own nothing, but he owned everything. It was all his, and our minds will never be able to comprehend that if we were able to live another thousand years. But we do need to think about that. That Jesus was rich. In every eternal way that richness matters, that was Jesus. But look at that outline and fill this in. The Bible says Christ became poor. Though he was rich, yet for our sakes he became poor. Probably a lot of you can quote Ephesians, Ephesians 2 and 8. For by grace are we saved through faith that's not of ourselves. It is the gift of God. God saved you by his grace when you believe, New Living's tra Translation. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift of God. Everybody, would you look here for a moment? I promise and 20 minutes or so, I will finish if you give me your attention and help me share this most important word. Listen. Grace cost the sinner nothing. But it cost the Savior everything. And that, my friends, is Christmas. Christ became poor, and the poverty mentioned here doesn't have anything at all to do with material things. 
And I was going to talk a little bit about that and how I wish I had time to talk a little bit about that this morning. How I wish I could really make that matter to your soul. Oh my. Write this down. Christ was rich, but he became poor. He became poor in his personhood. Having written that down, would you look back here, please? Jesus brought together dust and deity. He united God and human flesh. Birthed as a baby from the womb of a virgin named Mary, Jesus took upon himself the very nature of man. And Jesus became just as human as we are. With all the built-in frailty and all our predisposed proclivity. I want you to think about that. He became just as human as me. Just as human as you. He became poor in his person and he became poor in his position. Think about this. The one who made all men came to serve all men. Take your Bible and, and look at Matthew, the 20th chapter. In this 20th chapter, the mother of James and John has been contesting with Jesus about giving her sons special seats to his right and his left when his kingdom is established. In verse 24, let's read what the scriptures say. When the other disciples heard what James and John had asked, they were indignant. But Jesus called them together and said, you know that the rulers of this world lorded over their people and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you it will be different. Notice what he says. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and give his life as a ransom for many. How about an amen right there? In your Bible somewhere, if you find a little space, would you write Christmas story? That is the story of Christmas. That Jesus became poor in his position and as ruler of this whole thing made him servant, made himself servant to everything. Jesus became poor in his person, poor in his position, and poor in his power. 
And that surprises some people when they read about all his miracles. But in the incarnation, Jesus laid aside his right to use his deity, and he did instead only what his Father told him and the Holy Spirit enabled him to do. He did not his own will, and he fulfilled not his own wants, the creator of all things cast aside his ability to do all things and he became poor in his power. But most importantly of all, Jesus became poor in his possessions. Jesus became the poorest of the poor because when he paid the price for my salvation would you take your finger and point it at yourself say these words when Jesus paid the price for my salvation he became the poorest of the poor let me show you this second Corinthians the fifth chapter Again, there were so many things I, I thought I would say. I don't have time to say, but this is something I've got to say, and I pray you never forget. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, my sin so that we, so that I could be made right with God through Christ. Let me read it again. God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Would you look here? There are so many places in the New Living Translation where that translation does not do these words justice. And this is one of the main places of all those places in the Bible. If you have that Bible with those annotations, would you look down at the bottom, please, right there? You see that asterisk behind the words, he was the offering for our sin? Look down at the bottom. You see what that says? Christ became sin itself. Look, everyone. None of us can get that picture, but would you try? That means that all the penalty for you, for me, for this world was laid on him because sin had to suffer for its very existence. And in our world today, that word's not preached very much, but it is the word that God preached because Jesus said, I am coming to give my life a ransom for many. And then the word of God through the apostle Paul said, and in doing that, Jesus Christ himself was made sin. 
I want you to write these two things down there on your outline. Maybe it's in a caption box. Everybody, I want you to understand that sin makes a person poor. You can be a billionaire, you can be a multi-billionaire, and yet if sin reigns and rules in your life, God's Word says you are the poorest of the poor. In fact, there is no poverty greater than spiritual poverty. Poor in a relationship with the eternal God. Let me conclude with this. Here's the third thing. Christ was rich, but he became poor so that we might become rich. Christ was rich, but he became poor so that we might become rich. Would you put 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 back on the screen? Everyone, would you look at the screens? Let's read this one more time. You know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, though he was rich, for your sakes, my sake, he became poor so that by his poverty he could make you, he could make me rich. When Jesus became the Lord and Savior of my life, things happened in me that never would have happened without that. He became poor that we might become rich. And I pray that for as long as we live, we will remember that that richness, again, has nothing to do with material things. Everybody listen and look. The churches in which I grew up, they didn't have any of this. I drive a wonderful, beautiful pickup truck. Many of you drive absolutely fantastic vehicles. If we walked outside, we would see all sorts of the finest vehicles that human beings drive. I don't know if we'd see a Maserati or not, but other than that, and yet those people in those churches, some of them, not all of them, had a richness about their lives that so far supersedes anything that money can buy. Matter of fact, write this down. We can't really enjoy the things money can buy unless we possess the one thing money cannot buy. We think we can. We trick ourselves. We do all this positive mental thinking, but the Word of God's pretty clear on the matter. Get this truth, everyone. Christ makes us rich in the same way He is rich. And I want to show you now, quickly, as I close, how He does that, not just at Christmas time, but at every day throughout the year. First, we share in the riches of His personhood. 
When Jesus became the Lord and Savior of our lives, we became part of his family and members of his body. Write this down. The Son of God has made us the children of God. I am a child of God. That means everything to me. I am a child of God. I share in the richness of his personhood. He is the Son of God. I am a child of God. He is my elder brother, and I am his kid. I am his little brother, his kid brother. That's me because Christ became poor. We share in the riches of his person and in the riches of his position. Write this down if you would. Ephesians, the second chapter, verses 4 through 6. And if we had the time to read those verses, Ephesians 4, verses... Ephesians 2, verses 4 through 6, it would show us right there that we are right now seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. I don't know about you, but sometimes I wonder what that seat really is like. Now I turn around and say, boy, if this is seated in the heavenly places with Christ Jesus, what's going on right here? Here's where faith steps up and takes charge. Here's where faith steps up and says, do not look at what you see, but look at what God says. I, because of what Christ has done for me, have been seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus, and the Bible says that has happened and it is happening right now. So here's a wonderful question. Am I today, December the 8th, 2019, am I reeling from life or am I reigning in life? On Christmas Day, Will I wake up that morning with my mind spinning? Will I be reeling from life or reigning in life because Christ became poor that I might become rich? Write this down. Right now, we share in the riches of Christ's position and in the riches of his power. Because the Word of God tells us, Philippians 4.19, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Can I go outside and lift that pickup truck I drive? No. That's not what that means. What it does mean is what matters. I can do everything that does matter, that matters for eternity, that matters in my life, that really matters. I can overcome defeat. 
I can work through a tough marriage. I can walk through physical problems. I can get up and over whatever's going on in the workplace. I can deal effectively and triumphantly with the fact I am not 40 anymore. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, and I don't know if you know, but that's incredible power. And it's only our fault when we don't avail ourselves of it and walk in it and live by it every day of our lives. And if that power isn't evident in our life, it just may be that we don't have this power. It just may be that we haven't opened the gift that we've been given. Last, write this down, last thing. Right now we share in the riches of Christ's possessions. You had to know that because that's what the rest of the outline was. And some of you looked and you already had it written down. That's okay. Go back to John chapter 1 one more time. And we'll end up somewhere around this right here. John chapter 1. If you don't have your Bible, look at your screen. But if you do have your Bible... Read with me verses 14 through 16. So the Word became human and made His home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen His glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. John testified about Him when he shouted to the crowds, This is the one I was talking about when I said, Someone is coming after me who is far greater than I am, for he existed long before me. Verse 16. From his abundance we have all received one gracious blessing after another. Let's read that again. From his abundance we have all received one gracious blessing after another. You see these words right here? From his abundance. Literally, from what he possesses. Literally, from out of what Christ possesses, we have all received one gracious blessing after another. Again, perhaps you have footnotes in your Bible. Would you look down at the bottom of that page? Do you see what Christ has literally given us? From his abundance, we have all received grace upon grace. From his abundance, from what Christ possesses, we have all received grace upon grace. Jesus made himself poor so that we could be rich in grace. Rich in what counts. Rich in what matters to God. Rich in what we need and we cannot do without. Grace. Hallelujah. It's grace that makes our life rich 
and rewarding and redemptive and makes it real. So hopefully, you see what I see, that the synonym of all synonyms for Christmas is grace. Grace. Grace is what Christmas is all about. Well, that's it. There can be no peace. There can be no joy or even hope without the gift of grace because grace is the greatest gift of all. So when I ask you a question, have you received the gift of grace? There's not going to be an end to the mess of life without that gift. Have you received the gift of grace? And if you have received it throughout the rest of this day and between today and Christmas Day, you've got all kinds of opportunities to rejoice because you have. Would you stand with me, please? Josh, how about you play in D-flat? Let me say a simple prayer for us. Bow your heads. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that you take these rushed comments and you bind them together with your grace and help them find a landing spot in hearts and lives throughout this sanctuary. Father God, for that man or woman, that boy or girl who does not know you, I pray, even as I am praying this prayer, they say yes to you as you knock on the door to their hearts and receive your son Jesus as Savior of their lives. I pray that, God, right now. And for every man and woman in this room, every boy and girl in this room who has received that gift, oh, God, help us learn how to celebrate what that gift is all about. And for the rest of our lives, oh, God, let's not think there's any better gift we'll ever get than that. In Jesus' name. Before our, our prayer and our benediction, I want you to sing with me the greatest Christmas carol that's ever been written. How about going to E-flat? How about going to F? Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now.
last thing, turn to somebody, please do this, and tell them right now, I've received the greatest Christmas gift of them all. Thanks for listening to the Family Church Podcast. You can stay connected with us at familychurch.org or by following us on Facebook and Instagram. Our mission at Family Church is to pursue God, make disciples, and strengthen families. If you're in the West Monroe area, we would love for you to come join us. You can check out familychurch.org for our location and service times. 